Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit points us to our divine Savior is the second lesson, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. Please listen again to the last verse. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior, go to the light. Cross over into the light. How many TV shows and movies portray death as seeing a light? But dear friends, by that time, it's too late to see the light unless you have already been looking at the lamp. Yes, dear friends, unless the lamp is shining in your hearts now. Then death brings only the light of the fires of hell. Without the lamp, there is no light after death. Peter brings this home to us when he tells us, you do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And that word light is actually the Greek word for a lamp. Picture a lamp shining in a dismal, dingy room. And what is that lamp? Well, Peter calls it the word of the prophets. And maybe you think of a verse from Psalm 119 that Michael W. Smith set to music. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The lamp is God's word. And that is the lamp that shines out into our dark and dismal world here. Now, just as you would keep looking at a lamp when you're struggling to stay awake even though the night is going, uh, growing long, but you don't want to be caught asleep because of the dangers of the dark, how important that lamp is to keep you awake. So also, dear friends, pay attention to this lamp until the day dawns. That's our theme here this morning. Pay attention to the lamp until the day dawns. For you see, this lamp is the eyewitness testimony that the prophecies are fulfilled. It's the word from God the Holy Spirit. And finally, it's this lamp alone prepares us to see Jesus in his majesty when that day, the last day, dawns. Pay attention to the lamp. Now, there are many different words that have come down to us from long ago. What makes the lamp of God's word so special. You know, sometimes people will tell stories from long ago. Here's one. A story about a man named Gilgamesh, king of Uruk, who went off to a mountain with his wild companion Enkidu. You may not have heard of that story before. It's not in the Bible. 
It actually is an ancient Akkadian legend based on Sumerian myths pieced together from cuneiform tablets found in the ruins of Nineveh. And yet, many consider the Bible, this book here, to be nothing more than just that, another collection of cleverly invented stories and ancient myths from the Middle East. Oh, they'll say that there is truth there in the scriptures. They'll say that the Bible is still useful and teaches us truths that help us be better people. But that still is saying nothing more than the Bible is a collection of fables and made-up stories. That's not what you and I mean when we say that the Bible is the truth. And that's not what Peter meant here either. He says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. How different the testimony of an eyewitness is compared to fables and myths. And yet maybe you've heard about how eyewitness testimony can be wrong sometimes. There's been occasional news reports, news stories reporting how someone convicted by the testimony of eyewitness was found innocent years later when they could test the DNA. But the eyewitnesses of Peter and the other apostles is very different from what you find in those courtrooms. And that's what we want to see here. Some of those key differences that let us know that this eyewitness testimony is sure and certain. For one, often those courtroom eyewitnesses, they're the only eyewitness that the prosecution relies on. And the event took place so suddenly, so unexpectedly, and the observer was under such strain, such stress, such terror, that it's no wonder that they could easily mistake two similar-looking people and be in error. But consider how different this eyewitness testimony is. Peter takes one example of his eyewitness viewing of Jesus in his majesty. He takes us to the Mount of Transfiguration. And there, with Peter, James, and John, he sees this man, Jesus, whom they had grown to know over the last couple of years. They see this man, Jesus, shine with divine glory. Honor and glory of the Father was given to him. And this wasn't just a momentary flash that, you know, the second later you wonder whether you really saw it or not. No, that this developed over time as they were there on that mountain. They, they saw Jesus and, and, and then they became fully awake realizing that Jesus is shining with his glory. Not only that, there is Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus there. And they not only have what their eyes see, but also what their ears hear. That voice, that declaration out of the, the majestic glory, the Father saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Yes, this is eyewitness testimony you can count on. 
Now, there was terror here as well. They trembled in terror. And when they heard that voice, but it's not the kind of terror that would make them repress the memory or, or forget what was happened or misidentify something. No, this is the kind of, of fear that ingrains all the more in their minds the indelible image and, and, and the words that they had heard. And what's more, you just don't have the testimony of one eyewitness. Yes, in these words here, you have Peter's own testimony written down by his hand. But also think of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who recorded the testimony of the eyewitnesses as well. Think of them as court reporters. And although some want to cast doubts here by saying, well, you know, you compare these testimonies, and the words don't match word for word. And they're right that the words vary a little bit. But there's no contradictions. The words say the same thing. And if anything, the changing of the, the, the variation in the words from Matthew to Mark to Luke to Peter here, if anything, that just drives home how authentic and reliable this eyewitness testimony is. Or if you think about it, isn't it suspicious if two eyewitnesses give exactly the same testimony word for word as if they had been coached and given what to say, even rehearsing it ahead of time? And to top it all off here, you not only have this one example of the eyewitness testimony of the divine majesty of Jesus. Peter just uses this Mount of Transfiguration as an example. But what about all the other eyewitness accounts that Peter and the other apostles give? They were with Jesus for his earthly ministry and they saw the miracles, those glimpses into his divine majesty. They were witnesses of those. And they saw Jesus arrested, crucified, dead, and buried. And then they were eyewitnesses of the risen Jesus. They saw him, talked with him, touched him, ate with him. And this was no longer Jesus in his humble appearance, but Jesus in his risen glory. Jesus who could appear behind locked doors. And they did not simply see Jesus once or twice, but again and again over a period of 40 days. And then they witnessed his ascension. And you, in the years to come, under pain of imprisonment, torture, and death, they did not rescind any of this eyewitness testimony. Pay attention to this testimony as to a lamp shining out in a dark space, in, into the dark, dismal world that we live in. Yes, pay attention. For this testimony reveals that the man Jesus is not just a man, not just another prophet or teacher. It reveals that he is God the Son, who shares the Father's glory from all eternity it reveals his divine majesty. And what is more, it reveals that he is the fulfiller of prophecy. He is the one foretold. You have the eyewitness testimony of the apostles to prove it. He is the offspring of the woman who crushed Satan's head. 
He is the seed of Abraham through whom all nations are blessed because he took the curse of sin on himself. He is the star rising out of Judah and the greater son of great King David. He is the sacrifice for our sins. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You have the eyewitness testimony of the apostles recorded for you, written down, so that it can't be manipulated or changed by oral traditions over the ages. You have it written down so that the same testimony they gave to those first century believers, you have heard and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the fulfiller of prophecy, as the apostles have testified. So pay attention to the lamp. Pay attention to it shining into our dark world. Pay attention, for through it you see Jesus, your Savior. And as we pay attention to that light, we realize the greatest reason of all to take the words of the Bible as they stand and to believe them as more sure and certain than anything else in this world. For we see, realize that the prophecies of the Old Testament and the eyewitness testimony of their fulfillment in the New Testament are both words from God the Holy Spirit. That's the point Peter brings home here. That these words that were written are from God himself. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. How could the Bible be any more sure and certain for us? It's not merely the words of men. It's not the words of humans or humans' ideas about God. It's the word from God, the Holy Spirit. He is the author. The apostles and prophets were simply the writers. We call this miracle verbal inspiration. The Holy Spirit breathed into, gave the words he wanted these writers to write so that what they put down on the page was exactly what God wanted them to write. Not only for themselves and those first hearers, but for you and me as well. What a miracle. We can't explain it. We can't describe how it exactly happened. But this is what Peter says here. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. How sure and certain this makes God's word. For you see, since God is trustworthy and true, his word also must be trustworthy and true. It is the only sure, firm foundation for us to build our faith and life on. Everything else in this world is uncertain, but God's word, recorded in the scriptures, the Bible, there you have what is sure and certain. For it is the word from God, the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians puts it this way. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's God's word. That's sure foundation. Or to go back to our picture of the lamp, it is God's word that shines so clear and bright for us to see, shining from the scriptures, God's sure and firm word. We know that that Bible is God's word. The words given to them to write, given from the Holy Spirit himself. We know this. We confess the miracle of verbal inspiration, and that is a great blessing from God. For you see, many churches nowadays no longer hold the Bible up as God's sure inspired word without error, without mistake. And so we give thanks to God that he has brought us to see that wonderful blessing that God's word is the word from the Holy Spirit. But do we practice this truth? Are we paying attention to the lamp, which is God's word? For you see, to say that the Bible is God's inspired word, sure and certain for our faith and life, and then to leave it as a closed book, is hypocrisy. To say that the Bible is God's sure, inspired word and then neglect it, excusing ourselves by saying it's boring, out of date, not practical for a busy life or too hard to understand, labels God as an inept communicator who doesn't really know what's useful for us. Rather, dear friends, rather realize that as you read the Bible, you are reading the mind of God. As you listen to his word preached and taught, you are hearing the voice out of the majestic glory. And as you study his word, meditating and chewing on it, inwardly digesting it as you make it a part of your life, you are lining up your heart and mind with God. For you see, since this is the word from God, the word from God, the Holy Spirit, he is powerfully at work through it as you grasp its message. He is working in you, convincing you that this word is God's trustworthy and true word the firm foundation for your faith and life. He is shining through this word as a lamp into our dark life. Don't throw a blanket over that lamp by despising preaching and his word, but rather believe the message. Take it to heart. Gaze into the lamp. Gaze into it as you cherish it and treasure it. For the Bible is the word from God, the Holy Spirit. And it is the only message, the only word that prepares us for the day, the day when Jesus returns. It prepares us for when the last day dawns. And only the Bible prepares us for that day. Jesus will shine in his glory when he comes again. He will shine with that eternal glory that is His. 
as he comes with his holy angels on that last day. And as we take the words of Scripture to heart, we are ready for it. For the Bible prepares us for it. The Bible is not like a math book that you go through the lessons and once you finish the last lessons, well, you know it and so you can put it away. And the Bible is not like a dictionary that, well, you don't know everything in it, but you can just keep it around in case you need to reference it every now and then. No, the Bible is the book, the only book that prepares us to see Jesus in his majesty when he comes again on the last day. Notice how Peter brings that home. You will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Yes, it's for a lifetime of study until the last day comes. Oh, but but you might want to say you already know the, the basic message of the Bible. And, and you're right. The basic message of the Bible is so simple even a little child can confess. Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead to save me. And yet the more you study the Bible, the more you will bring out new treasures as well as old, as Jesus promises in Matthew 13. For you see, the Bible is so clear that it's like a brook a lamb can wade across. And yet it's also so profound so deep, so broad, that an elephant can swim in it. Even a lifetime of study does not exhaust it. Pay attention to the lamp until the last day comes. For as we watch that lamp, as we take to heart God's word day by day, then you are ready each and every day to see Jesus in his glory, coming with his holy angels then you are ready for the end of this night of this dark world and the dawn of eternity with your Savior. For as you take God's word to heart, you see who Jesus really is. He is your God and Savior, your heavenly bridegroom. For by faith in Jesus, by faith in his word, You are his bride, awaiting your bridegroom. And he shares everything with you, just as a married couple shares everything. He has taken your debt, your sin and guilt, on himself, nailing it to the cross, and he has given you his riches, his righteousness and innocence as your wedding gown. So pay attention to his word as you see your bridegroom and await his coming in glory. You don't have to wonder what kind of light you're going to see when death comes or whether it will be some vague, off-in-the-distance kind of glow. You already know. You will see your bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And so when we see his glory there, we won't cower in fear like Peter, James, and John did on that mount Rather, we will lift up our heads in joy for our Jesus, our bridegroom, our Savior comes. He is the bright morning star ushering in the eternal day. Yes, He is your Jesus who took away your sins. He is your Jesus who rose from the dead to give you eternal life. Yes, your Jesus 
who shines in your heart now through his word, through that lamp, will shine for all to see as the King of kings. And we will be in his eternal presence forever. So pay attention to the lamp until that day comes. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.